1: And I am Kyle. And we're excited to have you back for another week of the show. And I have a question. I'm going to start this off with a question for Kyle. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. What is your all-time favorite movie?
0: You're going to judge me for this. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I was a huge, growing up, I was a huge Bad Boys fan. Oh, yeah. Like the Bad Boys series. Yeah. Bad Bad Boys Two has to go down as one of my favorite like comedy action movies of all time for sure. Wow! But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I don't even want to debate any other ones at this point. I think I think that for sure is now. The, listen, I come from an Italian home, so the Godfather series. Mm-mm. Oh, dude, those have the Godfather. You're talking now. You're talking. Um. Uh, it was just on the other night too, was, uh, oh man, and I'm going to say it's my favorite, I can't remember the movie, but all those, uh, all those like Italian mob movies, I I love them. I Mm -hmm. love them because I know they're, some of it's history, some of it's real, some of it's just Hollywood, but for sure The Godfather, part one and part two, don't like part three at all. And uh, now the other movies, it'll come to my mind, but there's another Italian movie that I absolutely loved. Outside of that, I'm an action comedy guy all the way, so Bad Boys 2 is a mixture of that. (laughs) You got Martin Lawrence and Will Smith (laughs) going back and forth, and uh, I love it. So, that that has to be one of my favorite movies of all time. What's your second? Like, that is a movie I could watch. That is a movie I could watch. I could have watched at any given time, any day. Mm -hmm. My second favorite movie, dude, it might be Remember the Titans.
1: Mm, Very good movie.
0: It might be, because that movie is just, again, if it's on... I'm watching it. Yeah. Like, oh, no. Oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <sighs> my favorite, maybe right now, might be one of the John Wicks. Mm. I cannot believe I didn't remember those. I have not the seen John, those yet. The, me and my brother in law, me, me and Zane literally just watched John Wick 2. I was so mad because they were playing John Wick 1 and 2, but they weren't playing John Wick 3. I was so mad. <laughs> and then I heard that they were releasing the new Matrix and the new John Wick in the same day. Mm. Keanu Reeves is one of my favorite actors, dude. Like he's just a good, wholesome dude. Like you ever seen him take photos with women? Mm-hmm. So if he's taking a photo with a woman, he puts his arm around her, but he doesn't touch her. Wow! And he makes it obvi- he makes it obvious in his photos that his hands are not on her at all. Wow! Yeah, I dude, didn't know you got to look into that. Yeah, he's dude. He's just a very genuine guy. He's just been all he, He's like that dude that's so cautious about his own life. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like he's just. He, um, so, he won my heart in The Replacements, but I love, 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 love The John Wicks. You know what, dude? I'm a movie buff, so you can't ask me this question, because now I'm going to go down a list. I can give you like my top 10 at this point. <laughs> but, but yeah, I would, I would probably say Bad Boys 2, just for the sake of its laughter, and, and it's, it's some uh, crime and violence, <laughs> and, then, and then remember the Titans, because Denzel Washington's my favorite actor of all time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Denzel's uh, my guy, dude. In Fences, he was awesome.
1: He's a good there's no doubt that he is literally one of Hollywood's top actors. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I think I'm trying to think what why fa- I, I I I would say my number one movie that I think that was amazingly well made was Gladiator.
0: Ooh, with Russell Crowe?
1: Yes, man. Russell Crowe is Dude, that dude is the
0: man. He
1: is an amazing actor. Like I put him up he's there. He's in like,
0: a new Netflix movie.
1: I you know what? I just recently saw that. And I, I didn't Did see you the watch movie. that movie. No,
0: I didn't see the Brooke movie and I but watched I watched
1: it. Dude, he's just he's just an intense creature. <laughs> I dude, I heard like every like you're on the edge of your seat. That whole movie is what I heard. Yeah. Like It's
0: good. It's good. He's a good he's a good actor.
1: Yeah. Like I I put Tom Hanks up. I mean Tom Hanks is like one of the all-time uh-oh.
0: Dude, I have my personal, uh, he, uh, I like, dude, Tom Hanks is a great actor, but as a person, I'm not even, I just. Ah, uh, see, I don't know much, I don't know. He spoiled it for me, just with some of his oh dances. But oh. yes, he's a very good actor. I won't take that away from him.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, Gladiator's gotta be, like, one of my all-time favorite movies.
0: You know who I'm a little frustrated about? Hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio, dude. <laughs> I just feel like his his career took off and then plateaued so fast. Mm. Like I don't know if that was his choice or what, but he's one of the most talented actors you'll ever see, mm. probably ever. Mm. And I just feel like there was so much more potential for his career, and I haven't seen much of anything else with him. Maybe he made his money, and he was just like, "eh."
1: Who does the Who does the boring movies?
0: Like- oh, that's um. Jason different... Bourne. That that's Matt Damon. Matt, yeah, but Matt those two, Damon, yeah, they're in a couple movies together. You get them two mixed up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Matt no. Damon. Matt Damon's the man too, dude. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know. Well, oh man, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's you cool. just took. You asked me the wrong question. I'm a movie buff, man. I just yeah. See, I like. I'm
1: not as big on movies as I am like documentaries. I'd much rather sit down and watch a documentary. Now I'm a true crime buff, so like I I that's just my thing. I love true crime documentaries. So if I'm gonna pass the time with what little time that I have, I'm I'm watching a true crime. Not usually a movie, but I make sure I try to save my times for really good movies. Like I can't think of a worse waste of time than for me to sit for two hours on an awful movie. Like like Lord yeah. of the Rings series are great. Like I I love Lord of the Rings. I'm trying to think because I know there's other ones I just haven't seen We Were Soldiers oh my goodness great movie that was good yeah like I like some of the war movies and stuff like that I haven't seen that movie in years but
0: I don't think anybody's seen that movie in years right (laughs) <laughs> oh, but it, it is a good movie. It's
1: probably got something crazy in it that I forgot, and people are going to write me.
0: Anyways, all right, guys. So Listen, I, I said Bad Boys 2, okay? If anybody's going to write anybody, it's going to be like, isn't a Christian podcast? You watching Bad Boys 2? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Well, all right. Well, let's talk about something much more serious than movie stars and movies. So, we're going to talk today about the death penalty, uh, capital punishment, whatever you want to call it. Oh boy, this is something that I have struggled with. And I really, I don't say much about it. You know, me and my wife talk about it. I've talked to a couple of friends about it, but I've just become more and more, it's become more and more of a struggle with me and of the, just the whole idea of the death penalty. Like, I just, at first, I thought it was an emotional thing. And I'm realizing that it's more than emotions. I think it's becoming more of a belief for me. I just struggle with it. I, I do. And so we did some research and, and, and Kyle and I are just going to have an open, honest dialogue with you guys today on the death penalty, kind of you know, what that looks like. And as Christians, you know, should we support it? And I know it's something that's kind of controversial. You know, there are some Christians that will say, absolutely, biblical. Like you know what it's law and order, you know, and of course, I believe in law and order. If you listen to any of our shows, you know I'm big on law and order, but by the same token i there's there's some there's some questions and there are some concerns that I have about the death penalty
0: yeah and i'm in the I'm in the same boat right like i I know what the Old Testament says about capital punishment, and I know how the new testament we're going to read into it, but doesn't specifically say anything about the about capitalist punishment i know what i believe but in my heart i also know how i feel and mm. those two like knowing what you believe but feeling something in your heart those are very two raw emotions that are hard to juggle especially when somebody else no matter what they've done when someone else's lives are in those decisions you know they're weighed in the balance of those decisions so I'm excited to go through this today. Just reading over our research and things like that, realizing, hmm, maybe I maybe I'm not on more, more than one side or the other than I thought I was. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I love topics like this because these are topics where we get to learn too. You yep. know, we're talking through just our you know our confusion and our questions over it all, and you leave the process of the podcast you know better because of it. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. A- absolutely. So you're gonna hear us in in real time wrestle with our thoughts over this, and you know if you're listening i' I mean I'm sure you're probably on one side or the other um but i would I would just ask you just to consider and and i um, you look I look at both sides both sides here i I think both sides have some valid points right yeah but as a Christian, how should I look at this how sh- you know what should I think about it so There's just a couple of statistics I want to give you guys. Uh, The Washington Post, there was an article in the Washington Post, and it was a new study that found that 54% of the defendants are victimized by official misconduct, okay? So 54% of defendants are victimized by official misconduct with police involved in 34% of cases. Prosecutors in 30% in some cases involves both police and prosecutors. So these, these are instances where somebody was convicted and, you know, they were, they were victimized by whoever that was handling their case. They had, there was misconduct there. They, they, they didn't handle the evidence right. They lied. They, whatever the case may be, right? The National Registry of Exonerations reviewed 2,400 exonerations, nearly 80% of which were violent felonies. Of the 2,400, 93 innocent defendants were sentenced to death, 93, and later cleared before they were executed. Like, I can only imagine or think how many were already executed that they didn't.
0: Oh, oh, absolutely.
1: You know, the study also found that police and prosecutors are rarely disciplined for actions that that lead to a wrongful conviction. Researchers also found that four percent of prosecutors involved in those convictions were disciplined, but the penalties were comparatively mild and only three were disbarred. The study cites five types of misconduct that lead to wrongful convictions, such as witness tampering. Misconduct in interrogations, fabricating evidence, concealing exculpatory evidence, and misconduct at trial. Yeah. And I mean, we see this. I mean, it, you know, if you, if, you know, some of the TV shows, we were talking a little bit before we got on the air, and we were talking about, I was asking Kyle, had he seen some of these documentaries? Because again, I'm a big documentary guy and there's, you know, stuff on there like The Staircase on Netflix or Making a Murderer, The Innocent Files, just different different true crime stories and just watching the mishandling, like the clear mishandling of cases from prosecutors, from police officers, people tampering with evidence, people not collecting evidence like immediately, not securing the scene when a crime happens. And then right. a ton of people. You know, I think about the John Benet Ramsey case. I mean, if you read the book on John, the John Benet Ramsey case, I mean, it just it, it will make you angry. How many times the police failed in their duty? Like right. there was tons of people in that house before they they secured that house for evidence. Like, it, it, and so obviously all the evidence is going to be tampered with and, and all of that. And so these are some of the things that. You know, I've looked at it and I've just struggled through, honestly.
0: The, and just so you know, so we were—it's kind of cool because Kevin and I do our research, and we ended up doing our research for this and finding out that we actually uh, gathered some of the same resource, majority of the same resources. But since 1989, and this is this is something I found from Prison Fellowship, since 1989, the United States has used DNA testing to exonerate 225 people. Mm. After they have spent years in captivity, at least 125 people have been exonerated from death row. So, in the last 21 years, 22 years, 225 people, but 123 of them were going to be wrongfully put to death. So, like I said, in my heart, I don't know that it's not so much that, you know, as we've gone through these resources, it's not so much that I don't believe that we should have capital punishment. It's so much so that I just don't know that. We could be trusted with capital punishment. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that—that's where—that's where I'm wrestling with—is like, well, listen. One, I'm not God, so part of me is just like, I don't know that I could just say, yeah, he deserves to, or she deserves to die, you know, one way or the other. But two, if we are going to make those decisions, how many times have we been wrong before 1989? So it's just—it's—it's it's a debate to have.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's just tough. Like I, you know, it, it's just tough. So, let's look at what the Bible actually says about capital punishment. So, you know, does Scripture mandate capital punishment? I mean, like, is this a, is this a thing where Scripture mandates it? I would say let's look at Genesis nine and six, and it says, uh, "Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed." For in the image of God has God created, or has God made man? And so, and when you look at that scripture, I mean, the Bible is clearly saying, "Whoever sheds the blood of man by man, shall his blood be shed." Now, this is Old Testament. This is what what happened in that day. If you look at the context of that day, there were a lot of things that you could actually be stoned or killed for. You know, the law. If you look at the law, the law was given to Moses on, on Mount Sinai it ordained execution for a a lot of different offenses. One of them was murder, but not in accidental killings. So, uh, striking or cursing a parent was one, kidnapping, adultery, incest, bestiality, sodomy, rape, rape of a a betrothed virgin, witchcraft, breaking the Sabbath, blasphemy, sacrificing to false gods, oppressing the weak, And then some other transgressions. I mean, you can see all that stuff in Exodus 21, 22, 35, Leviticus 20 and 24, and then Deuteronomy 21 through 24. So there's a lot of scripture there that on the surface, it seems as though the Bible does, it speaks of it. (laughs) Uh, It definitely says that it, it happened, and it doesn't look like it's something that's against what God is saying. You know, it's not like God is saying, hey, you shouldn't do this. This was something that Moses used, right, under the law. And then we have the New Testament. And if you listen to uh, a few shows back, we actually used this scripture when we were talking about law and order and how the United States needed to be under law and order and our police officers, how we need to respect them and how they are actually, they are ordained by God to carry out justice and vengeance with people who are doing wrong. And that's in Romans 13, it says, you know, Paul says to his readers, he says, submit to the authorities of civil judgment. And he was reminding them that if you do wrong, be afraid, for the authority does not bear the sword for nothing. And remember, the sword in that day was, was like the most lethal weapon they had of that day. So in, in, in its ultimate use, that obviously the word sword there implies execution. So I think when we look at all of this, right, we have to ask uh-huh. ourselves, is this something that Scripture says is permissible? Yeah. Based on those Scriptures and based on the Word of God, I feel like it's permissible. Now,
0: is it mandated? Now, that, that's a whole different… Right discussion right. that and and that's and that's the topic like we can find it in the scripture we yeah. can find it you know you're talking about moses well after the flood right so is this a universal law mm-hmm. we don't you know it could be under speculation that it is but we can also go back and say yeah but that was before new testament that was before you know was that part of the law nullify you know like you, there, there's so many questions and so you know, you ask the question, does scripture prohibit capital punishment? And you know, the the old testament law clearly calls for capital punishment and God has, you know, especially in his relationship with Israel, a special relationship with them and he's very specific about what should happen. But those who believe Scripture prohibits capital punishment argue that the developments of the New Testament era supersede the Old Testament law. And so we have this we have this argument. That's taking place because you can find, like, you just quoted Romans 13, okay, well, the law of the land. And we use that verse for a lot of things because as Christians, right. we're just like, hey, mm-hmm. like this whole new marijuana law, like what's going on with it? Like, <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that we need to... <laughs> I came, I you're str- wrong. Are you struggling I, that with that, Kyle? Is that what you're you saying? Know, we need to talk about know, that too? We may, we may need to have that as a topic on our show. <laughs> the devil's lettuce. Um, wow. Oh boy!, <laughs> hey, but you know what I'm saying like yeah, we, yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> there are things that are set in place in law, and you're just like uh, you just wonder, but sure. you also know that if if it's a if it's a rule, if it's a law that you need to follow to be a law abiding citizen the the Bible covers it. Yeah. So maybe the, maybe the marijuana example was, was off topic, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just forget I said that because then you don't have to smoke marijuana to be a law-abiding citizen. I, I don't know where I was going with that. But <laughs> no, I eye, didn't folks. do that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not editing that out, I'll tell you that. Kyle does not support that. But anyway, <clears throat> on to the death penalty. Yes. There's an argument here about scripture prohibiting capital punishment and Israel being a nation that was directly ruled by God. So it's law to some people that is believed to be unique. Executing false teachers and those who sacrificed to false gods are examples of provision that sprang from Israel's unique position as a nation of God called yeah. to be holy, called to be set apart from other nations. And so when Israel ceased to exist as a nation, its law was then believed to be nullified, you know? And so, Numbers 35, 33 says that the blood of a murder victim pollutes the land, a pollution that must be cleansed by the death of a murderer. If the murderer could not be found, an animal then was to be sacrificed to God to purge the community of guilt. That's in Deuteronomy 21. But Christ, Christ's death on the cross, and, and it ended, I mean, that, that is the pinnacle, really, of the yeah. New Testament. I mean. It's, it's why we believe what we believe. Like, his death is the reason we don't have to suffer in ways anymore, is the reason we can be forgiven of our sins. And so, as a believer who is struggling with capital punishment, I think the internal struggle really is, well, I believe, like, I can read the Old Testament, and maybe I believe that that's a universal law. But, Kev, like, if I'm saying we can forgive because we've been forgiven, if I'm saying, listen, my sins are under the blood, if I'm saying all that, I understand there's still consequences to sin, but do we really have the right now to say, well, since you took a life, your life now has to be taken? That's the internal struggle because one of the arguments would have been, you know, the sacrifice of Jesus replaced the sacrifice of animals. His death also made it unnecessary to execute murderers to maintain human dignity and value because of the crucifixion forever, forever established human value. God validated it in Genesis. He validated yep. it. Yep. And you could say he validated it. This is where it gets tricky. He validated it with that law with Moses because he was saying, "Listen, life is so valuable that if someone chooses to take it from you, you take it back from him." Right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. there needs to be a deterrent of this because it's so valuable. But then you see Jesus come and say, "Well, listen, life is so valuable that you no longer have to die to your sin. I'm going to die for you." Mm-hmm. And so now you have these perspectives where you're like we're in it, it feels like a new era of of belief on certain things. And so I'm not so sure that there's a clear-cut answer <laughs> on it. Uh but Hebrews 9:14 says how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So that we may be serving living God. Now, listen. Lead to death. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean capital punishment. Acts that lead to death. They're talking about sin. Okay, so they're talking about obviously eternal death. But it's it's something to think about. And then Christ's teaching emphasizes forgiveness and willingness to suffer evil rather than resist it by force. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet now, I, now I'm not going to quote the verse, but I know it's in there where it talks about the kingdom of God being forceful
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. in the
0: new testament so now as far as what that pertains to i'm not going to go there because i don't want to say anything that's theologically wrong <laughs> <laughs> we literally just last episode said listen if we say something wrong we'll come on here and apologize right, next yeah. time yeah, yeah you're yeah, gonna be yeah. like we'll get off the show and be like kyle you need to apologize <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> lord God. i apologize no so Listen, now, this may not be definitive on the issue of the state's authority to execute, but it does demonstrate, and that's the thing here, it demonstrates a different approach to responding to evil than what we see in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And so, by default, I've always just had told myself, like, how did Jesus approach this? Mm -hmm. Like, Jesus is the image. Like, not Moses, in my opinion, when it ultimately comes to my life, Jesus lived out everything I'm going to experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's experienced every one of those. He did it in the New Testament. He approached people like me. So I want to know how did Jesus respond to this. But I also know that there's a full Bible out there. You know what I'm saying? Like It's not just the New Testament. So what in the Old Testament is universal? What in the New Testament reestablishes the Old Testament or nullifies? You know what I'm saying? And so we have that argument here. And that's something that, you know, as we were doing this resource that I think both Kevin and I, we were, we were struggling with because we can point out parts of the scripture that do talk about it in both ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just think, I, so I look at some parts of capital punishment and you see examples of capital criminals like Cain, Moses, David, that were not, you know, killed for their capital crimes.
0: David could have been killed like two or three times over right. for what he did.
1: Right, like
0: right. he w- he was an adulterer and he murdered somebody. Like, but but then you see what happened to his baby. Right, and you know what I'm saying, and so you're just like you're like, listen, you know, God's the same today as he was yesterday as he will be forever. But there was a different law, there was a different time, there was a di- like, there's reasons for everything, and so now we're just trying to wrap our mind around the reasons. For for not having capital punishment.
1: Yeah, I you know Kyle, it, it's crazy because I really think that when Jesus died for our sins, and you and we were just you just hit on that, you know, it kind of stopped the blood for blood thing, right? It it's was how,
0: it's how it feels for sure, you
1: know, because it was like, well, you, you you know, if you if this person's blood is shed, yours have to be shed because you took that person's blood, or you know, you not took that person's blood, you killed that person,
0: right? Well, you, dra- you Dracula, all right? All of a
1: <laughs> Stop. Um, but, you know, but then you look at, you know, so you look at it and you say, you know, Jesus' blood was enough to cover. You know, there's forgiveness there. Then you look at their scripture in Romans and you say, and I'm sure there's Bible scholars that may be listening to this going, guys, I can sew this right up for you. Uh, here's my book. Uh, it'll tell you everything. Here's the thing. And that's why you don't have a podcast and we do. Stop. I'm just kidding. Stop. Oh my God. He did not mean listen, to say that, people. Wh-
0: Whoa. <laughs> no, that just triggered a response because I've been, as a pastor, I've been, pulled in the, I've been pulled in the office by scholars and been like, here's why you're not respecting the Sabbath, and here's why this church is preaching heresy. So listen, if you're a scholar out there, that wasn't a dig at you. If you were that person that pulled me in the office, though, on site, that's a digging. <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
1: oh, man. Yeah. And I think what we're saying is, you know, it's not that I think that God doesn't mandate it. So let, let, let's clear it up a little bit. Okay. Because I want to make sure that people understand. We're not saying that it's not, that it's not in, in principle in scripture. We see that people were executed for all different types of things. So we're not saying that the Bible doesn't say that it can happen and the Bible doesn't permit it. I think where we struggle is the Bible certainly doesn't mandate it. It doesn't say that you must do this as a, because if it, the Bible said it was, you must do this, then it's no discussion. We don't need to get on air and discuss it, right? It doesn't, it didn't say you must do it. It says that it shows us in history where it was done. And it talks about very clearly in the New Testament, in my opinion, in Romans, where, you know, that the people in authority do not bear the sword. In vain. Like, it's just, they don't just walk around with swords just so they can play sword fights. They do it because there are people that are going to break the law that they're going to break the law to the point that that they may need their life taken. Right. Yeah. So it, it comes down to Christians today saying, you know, where do we stand on this? Right. I mean, knowing our current justice system, knowing, you know, and if you follow, like, so I follow the Innocence Project which is a uh, organization that their whole thing is just a team of lawyers and researchers, paralegals, that do everything that they can to go back and look at evidences of, you know, DNA evidence, all kinds of stuff of cases where people say, hey, I didn't do it. Like, I need somebody to take a second look at this. And in a lot of those cases, those people are freed, right? And so this, yeah. this brings me to a point to say, as a Christian, do I really want to support? But so in Michigan, we don't have the death penalty, right? But there are some states, right. like Texas, I think is one that has it. Some of these other, maybe more Southern states have it. And I, you hear the argument that, well, places that have capital punishment, they have a lower crime rate. I, I'll tell you, I've seen it on both sides. I've seen where they do have a lower, lower crime rate. Then I see other places where the crime rates the same or higher. Like it doesn't yeah. matter that capital punishment is there. Right. So I think we just, we're, we're just grappling with the fact that because we don't have a perfect system. And here's my take. If we had a perfect system, you go ahead, get, put them in the chair. Get, let's get the needles out. Let's do, let's do our thing. Right. Cause we're perfect and we yeah. know that, you know, they did this. There are so many things that need to be fixed in our justice system right now that I feel like if that came to Michigan as a, a top, you know a, something on the agenda on the ballot, I don't think I could vote for it because who like who am I sitting in my studio talking right now and saying okay I will vote for the death penalty? I have no control over the prosecutors, the police officers, the judges. None of those people. To say whether they're going to do the right thing with, with what I just voted for, right? So I could be sitting here in my studio and somebody's literally getting killed because I voted for to have that in my state, but yet they didn't even do it, right? And, and, and I, hear, I hear the arguments of, well, you know, the, 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 you know, but the amount of people who actually had, you know, something bad or something go wrong as far as the officials or the police, or the evidence is really minor compared to how many people actually did it. We know that they did it and, you know, are sent to sent to die. My thing is, how many lives are precious? Like what number are you going to put on the lives? Is it five people? Like is it is it ten? Is it twenty? Is it a hundred? Like as long as it's only a hundred people that's sent to death, even though they didn't do it, like where do we where do we go? Like I think that's right. my
0: well and that was what that, that's the take that I formulated through our resources is listen does the bible mandate it no does it prohibit it no so it sounds like to me it's one of those decisions where we've been granted wisdom yeah how to use that wisdom and respect the law of the land in the same way and so i think that my take is the very same is if we could find a way to make sure that it's efficient and i'm not talking like oh we well, we wrongfully convicted 3 or 4 if you cannot prove, on a shadow of a doubt, that that person did that crime, then I'm not for the death penalty, because yeah. because the last thing I want to do is say, yeah, I voted in a system that's killing innocent people, because then that's murder in my opinion. So now we're back to square one. And so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I think that I think it's a choice made up to us. But we have more than just a choice of whether we believe it or not. Is can we find the right process mhm can we find the right system to then make that happen you know i and personally i, I kind of am glad after seeing just the research and seeing how many people were wrongfully convicted and then murdered and then exonerated after they were put to death not a fan of that
1: yeah
0: 100% not a fan of that and i think i personally think that Part of that system, there should be a responsibility with the judge. There should be responsibility with the officials. If somebody is found wrongfully convicted, it just doesn't make sense to me that people aren't paying that price for it.
1: Right, and yeah, and I know we could be talking to people who have family members that were victim of horrible crimes.
0: Oh, absolutely, And, and, and this
1: is where it's this is where the big struggle is because I get it. You want you you feel that that person being murdered. If they murdered or raped or whatever you know whatever the case case is, your family member, or your child, whatever, you feel like murder is really the only option. Like, get them out of here. Like, they don't belong on
0: this earth anymore.
1: And so, I get it. I I, I especially
0: when you don't have to step in and do it, right? right so it's right. a victimless. It's a victimless approach. You, you are already a victim of what happened, and now you don't have to be a victim of being a part of that decision that's being made. So. That's partly what I would agree with is, listen, this is a process to where the family doesn't have to get involved anymore. They get what is rightfully owed, in my opinion, and that's a horrible way of saying that, but let's be honest, you know? Mm-hmm. And they get to have it happen in a way that they don't have to be involved in it at all. Yeah. This is the justice system doing it. But again... Right. You know, one of the scriptures that like really pops out to me
1: is Ezekiel 33 and 11, where God literally laments, and he says... You know, as sure as I live, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. And so, like I, I look at that scripture and I say, I feel the same way. (laughs) Like I, I, I don't take pleasure, you know, just because somebody killed somebody. And I know, guys, this some of you that are very pro death penalty are just going to have a conniption right now. And that's okay, but this is this is us, you know, just talking, talking this through. But I, I don't see where the benefit comes if somebody kills somebody, then we turn around and do the the thing to them that we say is wrong that they did, right? Like, and I understand one person is innocent, the other person's not. I, I get it, all right. But this also happens in cases where people aren't so innocent you know if if the laws are not good and there's loopholes and different things like that there are times that people will go to jail for a very long time or get put on death row because they did you know oh i shot they shot him but they shot him in his back they shot him as he was running away or something like that and it's like well but he ultimately killed him yeah but the person just 2 seconds before that was charging at them with a shotgun. I mean, there's all of these things and it gets very, it, it gets, you get, you it's, you get in the soup with, with a lot of this yep. stuff. And I feel like because there's so many levels and you can get so granular with all of the possibilities of things that, you know what, none of those people that were there usually that are talking and having this person's life in their hands were there when it happened. So if there's anything that makes you think maybe the person could not have done it, or the prosecutors or the attorneys are not, uh, they don't, they don't, they can't show you from uh, by a shadow of a doubt that this person did it. Again, why would we send this person to die? Like I, I just you know I struggle with that. And so, and and I would say reluctance is not refusal, right? It's it's not refusal, but Ezekiel thirty three suggests that you know repentance or contrition could commute the death sentence. Now, it doesn't mean that person is still not in jail, right? And we could talk about that for hours too of, you know, we have a ton of people in jail for crimes that they, they should be, you know, there are people who go to jail for murder that get 10, 15 years sometimes, right? And then there's other people who have financial crimes that would not hurt a fly. They just, they like money. And they did something. They embezzled money or whatever. And they'll go to jail for 30 and 40 years. Kwame was on his way to doing that. Yeah. Kwame Kilpatrick, if, if you guys are not familiar with who he is, he was a mayor in Detroit a few years ago. And he, he, he stole a lot of money from uh, his campaign, just a lot of different things. And he was sentenced to 28 years in prison. And I don't think Kwame would hurt anybody when it comes to like you know physical hurt or anything like that. Not that we know of.
0: Not but- that we know of.
1: <laughs> I don't know him personally, so let me not. I'm not trying to vouch for him. Believe me.
0: No, but let's let's be real. He basically got a life sentence yes. for stealing. Yeah. But people who have taken a life have gotten half that time. Yes. Yes. So again, again, is it's on the justice system, and so it's. Like, like in the Bible, it literally, like, under what conditions, like, are we going to allow the death penalty? You talk proportionality. That doesn't seem proportionate to me. No. That just, that doesn't, that to me, it doesn't. Certainty of guilt. Do we have a certainty of guilt in our justice system? No. So, biblically, if we're going to go off the Bible, and there's verses in Exodus, there's verses in Numbers and Deuteronomy, I mean, we could give them to you where it talks about proportionality, it talks about certainty of guilt. Well, so far, the top two that we just talked about, you can't even verify any of those in our justice system. The intent, well, yeah, the intent for capital punishment is the fact that we are trying to not allow murderers to walk around freely on the earth. Due process. I can't say that there's always a fair due process. I think trials have been, since I've been born, have been swayed by political agendas. Oh, 100%. And and we, we've we seen them in this past year where some of them did seem like they were politically pushed. And it just is what it is. And it's sad to say that because lives were taken. Yes. And the truth needs to come out. Regardless of what the agenda was, lives were lost. They're the valuable lives. Yep. And then the reluctance to execute. There are a lot of bloodthirsty people. Yeah. Which is why I'm not mad that Michigan doesn't have the capital punishment because I do, again, think politically we could just see it happen. And, and and I think, basically, what reluctance to execute nowadays would be, is there a discrimination towards a certain race when it comes to the death penalty, Yeah, when it comes to the justice system? I mean, we, we can be real frank with it, and there is. There is a huge disparity in numbers versus cultural backgrounds, race, and ethnicity. And so, again... Most of what the Bible talks about when it comes to capital punishment, I could stand on air right now and say our justice system does not line up with.
1: Right, and I think yes, I agree with that hundred percent. And I think what you need to remember, especially people who are pro death penalty, you have to remember we're not saying that it's not biblical, that it's oh, not in the Bible. Yeah, like we're, that's I'm, not what we're saying. Yeah. I'm just saying I struggle with imperfect system. Yes, exacting. What I would say is perfect justice or, or, you know, you ending someone's life. Like that yeah. is the ultimate thing that you can do on this side of, of, of heaven is take somebody's life. So, I mean, how can we say we have the authority and we can do that when our system is broken? Like, I, I,
0: it, I struggle I with could it. I just couldn't imagine going through a trial knowing there's nothing I could do to prove my innocence but knowing that I was not involved in that crime. And that actually happens to that, people. That's that's that wild. Yes. That scares me to think like at any given day law enforcement can barge into my home, take me away because they have convicted me of a crime or they're on their way to that I have no uh, no knowledge of. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and it's just it's sickening to think about. So again, no, we're not saying we're pro or we're against. We're not saying that, again, on our show. We're not going to say one way or the other what you should believe. We're going to give you both sides and then let you make your stance. This, however, we view it. The Bible doesn't mandate it, but it also doesn't prohibit it. So now we just have a choice to make as individuals. Yeah. And I, what we're saying is, is based off of our justice system, can we, with a clear conscience, say, hey, this is, this is being done right?
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. So there's there's a question that I get a lot. And I was actually just talking to a a good friend of mine. And they were they were asking this question as well. So a lot of people bring up the argument of, you know, what do we say to people who say that we should be pro-life from womb to tomb? Right. So we we as Christians say we value life. We do not believe in abortion at any stage. We believe that all people are made in the image of God. And that we should always protect life, period. End of story. Like, even if it was somebody, you know, we've had things down through the years where people were at a vegetative state and it's come literally been a news event of, you know, do we take this person off of life support? And, you know, some Christians would say, you know, absolutely keep them on. Every life is precious. They could have another chance or whatever the case may be. And other people are saying, don't let people suffer. You know, you got the Jack Kevorkians of the world who, Takes people's lives or took people's lives because he didn't want them in his weird mind to suffer, right? He just said, Hey, if you're at the end of life, we're going to do assisted suicide, all these kinds of things, right? And I feel like we go down these very slippery roads when we start, when, when we start taking life for granted, like, and, and I don't think we should ever do that. But so some people would say to us as Christians, so if you're so pro life, then why do you support the death penalty? Because that doesn't make sense. Like, you care about it when it's my baby, but at the, but if somebody commits a crime, you're ready to just, you know, off with their head kind of, kind of deal.
0: Not ready to off with their head. It's when you move beyond an act of innocence, there are consequences. Life is going to cause you to make decisions, and those decisions are going to either result in good consequences or bad consequences. And the Bible just backed it up. Good consequences need to be proportionate to the action. Bad consequences need to be proportionate to the action. And so if the law of the land, again, the Bible doesn't it doesn't prohibit it, nor right. does it mandate it. So if the law of the land tells us, hey, if you commit this crime, you are going to receive the death penalty, the law-abiding citizen would think, okay, that's logical. That is a consequence to that person's action. In the baby argument, the baby, there is no action, right? The the baby's a victim, right? We're not talking about, yeah, we're not talking about victims. We're talking about people who turned other people into victims. That's right. That's That's what we're doing. And so that argument to me is an irresponsible argument to even have.
1: Hey, listen, I'll tell you right now. I was just, I was just listening to extremely popular Christian podcasts. I mean. I'm talking about 300,000 people listening a week mm-hmm. podcast where the hosts were talking uh, we they were talking about this and you know it's usually about four hosts and they were just saying that they don't agree they they've never understood why a person who is pro life would be for the death penalty and to me I'm just like you Kyle it's very simple like you've got at, at the beginning of life, you've got somebody taking an innocent life. And, but if somebody commits a crime, this is an innocent person who's been killed by them. And so the state is taking the life of a guilty person, not an innocent person. Now, and, and, and I know, I know, I want to say this real quick is I know that that means that there are going to be times that it's the person's not actually guilty and that's why we're having this whole conversation but i don't think you can use that argument because it doesn't make
0: any sense no i i understand why they're making the argument so i understand the heart in the argument right but the argument itself is the argument itself is off touch like they're out of touch i mean that and that's in my opinion it's just bad like it's a very bad perspective Mm -hmm. and In my opinion, the person committing the crime understands they are basically negating their chance at life when they commit that crime. They know if they get caught, that's the end of the road for them. They know that. Yes. Now, some of them that don't, that are mentally unstable, that is why our justice system has a health check like that. And some of them do go to insane asylums because they understand maybe the person didn't fully understand because of their mental state. That's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day, but what I'm saying is exactly what I just said, exactly what you said. We don't have to keep repeating it, because I'm going to get mad at their, their, their debate. But <laughs> the, pro- the, problem, the problem is is that we're talking about an innocent life versus somebody who was who preying on other people. This is two different, two different topics.
1: Yeah, and, I, and it just surprised me. I, and I know that there are some, some Christians who believe that. They say, well, if you're pro-life, you got to be pro-life forever, you know? Which we are, and, you know, and I think that
0: that let me let me ask you this, and see if I'm on a line for this. They commit murder, you put them in in prison for life anyway. So you strip away their rights, and you strip away their identity and everything else. Is that pro life? I right. mean, let, let's get into the deep context of things. So what? Now you're gonna <laughs> right? Yeah, okay, so you, no. they're behind walls for the rest of their life. Is right. that pro life? Yeah, I mean, everybody's appointed, I'm not going to get into this, but everybody's going to have a deadline to make decisions in life. Yeah. So, in my opinion, and it sounds like I'm arguing for pro-life, and I, I don't mean to be sounding this way, but that whole argument, just it just bothers me. It, it really does, because it's not the same as abortion. It's just not even on the same playing field as abortion.
1: Yeah, and I, and I would understand that. I, I've heard this from non-Christians, and people don't really even believe God. I totally get it because I don't think that they understand any of it. Like, I, I right. you know, you,
0: right.
1: they're starting off on a false premise of that abortion is, is fine. So I, I understand that. But if you're a Christian and you say things like, well, I don't understand the death penalty, but I, you know, and you should be pro-life from womb to tomb. Well, again, it, it just doesn't make sense. The argument the, it's, it's set on a false premise. That, it, you know, because they're not too exclude, they're not the same thing, right? And uh, so we can, we could beat that over and over and over again. But so let me ask you this, Kyle, were you aware, and I didn't know this until about two or three years ago, were you aware of how things are done over in Sweden as far as like their...
0: No, nope. I'm not even aware of how things are done here. Right. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> 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 um so over
1: in sweden and just i i just want you guys to hear this and i i actually watched a doctor, documentary on this uh like i said a couple two or three years ago blew my mind not saying that we should go soft and do this i don't know but boy i tell you uh you have to look at the results in sweden the way they look at it is their role is not to punish that that that's that's what their prison system says our role is not to punish the punishment is the prison sentence? They've been deprived of their freedom, period. Like that—that that is the prison, the, the the sentence, right? Oberg, which is director general of uh, Sweden's prison and probation service, and he was talking to the Guardian. and The Guardian notes that in the past decade, the number of Swedish prisoners has dropped from fifty-seven or five thousand seven hundred and twenty-two to forty-five hundred out of the population of 9.5 million. So just in general, they have a very low prisoner population. The country has closed a number of prisons, and the recidivism rate is around 40%, which is far less than the U.S. and most European countries. Now, Oberg believes that the way Sweden treats its prisoners is partly responsible for keeping the incarceration rates so low. And so, and I'm just going to read a quote here. It says, it has to do with whether you decide to use prison as your first option or as your last resort and what you want your probation system to achieve. Some people have to be incarcerated, but it has to be the goal to get them back out into society in better shape than when they came in. It goes on to say, while high security prisons in the U.S. often involve caging and dehumanizing a prisoner, prisons over in Sweden and in other places and countries like that are designed to treat them as people with, uh, with psychosocial needs that are to be carefully attended to. Prison workers fulfill a dual role of enforcer, And social worker balancing behavioral regulation with preparation for reentry to society. So they have something that you that they call open prisons, and what they do, which is it's it's crazy. Prisoners at open prisons stay in housing that often resembles, and I've seen these college dorms, and they have access to accessories such as television, sound systems. They're able to commute to a job, visit families all while being electronically monitored. Prisoners and staff eat together in the community spaces built throughout the prison. None are expected to wear uniforms. Now, I will tell you, when I watched this documentary, totally flipped my mind upside down because they have these people, and truly, it's like an apartment you would see here in in the states. It's an apartment, they have a desk, they have computers, TVs, beds, everything. And so what Sweden says is they're like, listen, we're not going to treat these people like they're not human. We're not going to treat them as they can't be rehabilitated. Instead of us caging them up, putting them in a place where literally the walls feel like they're closing in and turning them into you know, mental cases, and which some of them already are have mental issues, that's why they went to prison, that's why they did something crazy. We're going to rehabilitate them they find that that works so well that they're closing prisons and their prison population is dwindling because they're at, they're trying to rehabilitate their whole job they look at it as i want to rehabilitate you i don't want to just put you somewhere and lock you know as they say you know lock you up and throw the key away we're not interested in that we're interested in getting you back out into society so they have had violent criminals literally rehabilitated and put back Into society. Now, don't get me wrong. Am I saying, (laughs) because somebody might be saying, Kev, if somebody killed one of your family members, one of your daughters or your wife, I don't think you'd be on the air saying that. Here's what I'm saying I believe that this is a a different way to look at it. And most of you listening to this probably never heard of that before. And I didn't either uh, prior to three years ago. But I think it's something to consider, especially when we're talking about a system of justice. That is unjust sometimes. That is racist sometimes. That is unfair, and have officials in it that don't always do what they're supposed to do, right? So I think these are things that we we just need to think about, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it, it, there's always different ways, better ways, newer ways of doing things, and obviously it took Sweden time to develop a program like that, but it doesn't change the fact that we have to always inspect and reinspect what we're doing, why we're doing, and under what condition are we doing what we're doing. And so that's the basis of this conversation today, not whether it's right or wrong, but why are we doing it? And under what conditions are we doing it? And is it justifiable when we do it? Because again, this seems like a decision that's left in our hands mm-hmm. as a decision for us to make yeah. based on our culture. But based on the decisions we're making, is it benefiting the culture or not?
1: Yeah, and I, I think, and in, in really, in conclusion, I think that what are we saying here today? You know, does the Bible permit it? Yep. Does the Bible mandate it? Nope. You know, I think we should give grace to those who are for it, and I think we should give grace to people who are against it. I think both sides need to work vigorously for a fair and honest justice system. Because at the end of the day, we just want everything to be fair, honest, right just, all those good things, right? We, that's what we want. We're not saying we want murderers to start walking free. We, we're not saying, no, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying, hey, we want a we justice system that's that's going to be good. And it's never going to be perfect because humans are involved, right? right. And, and, and as long as humans are involved, there's going to be some imperfection. And I think that, but, and I also think that what, however you come down on this topic, both sides should hold police officers, attorneys, prosecutors, all the justice officials, Accountable when they fail to honor their oath of office, right? So mm-hmm. if, if they're, you know, if somebody is not doing what they're supposed to do, hold them accountable, right? If they're yeah. an, if they're an elected official, get them out of there. That in that next time, you you see something they've done that is not right, and, and you feel like things are, are you know a lot of people are being put in jail wrongly, and no one's checking them on it, vote them out, right? Just whatever needs to happen there. So I, I think that's important, but. You know, it, this was just a topic that uh, we just wanted to kind of just wrestle with you, with you guys, and just talk about it um, because mm-hmm. this is something that uh, we, you know we wrestle with. I know I certainly wrestle with it, and 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 if you got feedback, reach out to us. Uh, you might yep. say, "Hey, Kevin, read this article. This is a great comprehensive article, or this book, or whatever." I'd be more than happy to read it and, and, and give you some feedback on what I read. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can personal message us on Facebook, Instagram. You can get us on Twitter as well. Thinking Out Loud Podcast, if you're going on Instagram, thinking underscore out loud and you'll find us there. But reach out to us. We're always up for more information and even a better perspective than we feel like we've gathered. So we are constantly going to be learning. That's the good thing about our life is we constantly learn. And so hopefully you guys enjoyed this today. And if you have, please go on to the podcast. If you specifically listen to Apple Podcasts, go on there, scroll down, even in, in now as you're listening, and go ahead and rate us. Give yeah. us a five-star if you really liked it. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's right.
0: But rate, don't just rate, review it. It it definitely helps us with our goal of getting you know our message out there on the Christian perspective of the worldview and, and the way the world spins round and round on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. And and also, if you haven't liked us on Facebook and you listen to the show, like us on Facebook. We got close to a thousand people following us there. So, you know, like us on Facebook, interact with us. We got a podcast fan page. So we have Thinking Out Loud podcast fans. So, you know, go go in there and, and, and interact with us. And, you know, hopefully we will get a Facebook live up. I know we haven't done that in a while, but we'll we'll do something with that or Instagram soon. And by the time this airs, we may have done one already, but uh, I, I, that's that's on our minds. But definitely, we thank you so much. And I, I just want you to know that we take every listener, all of you guys who listen every week. I really want you to know personally that we really appreciate it because yeah. we do this stuff for you guys. Like we're not yeah. we're not here for ourselves. Like we are here to get the best content for you so they can help you navigate the culture from a biblical perspective. And so if there's something that you even want us to bring up a topic, message us, you know, and and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll do everything we can to get that on the air. So God bless you guys. Have a great week.